my the capacity of my spirit was to receive even more of him and see that's the thing about it when you praise and worship god it it expands your capacity to receive it expands your capacity you see you can't see that's why praise and worship is so important praise and worship is not for the benefit of the church praise and worship is for your benefit because as you ministering to god god is ministering back to you you minister to god God is ministering back to you. If you give little ministry in your praise and worship, you can receive little back from God. Not because he doesn't have more for you, but your capacity to receive is small. See, if you just come in here or anywhere, if you just come in, I got my hands up, yeah. And so, and see, this is, this is partial surrender. This is partial surrender. If I had a gun, which I don't, in Canada, but if I had a gun and I said, stick them up, you're not going to do this. Anybody ever seen anybody do that? Stick your hands up. No, I hand it up. No, when you sur totally surrender as far as you can, Lord, I surrender. And see, when you come in praise and worship, you're like this, not this, this. This means I'm, I'm going to give you part, but I ain't all the way there yet, Lord. When you go this way, I surrender all. I surrender all. So when you're praising and worship God, I surrender all. And when you begin to surrender, what he begins to do is he, begin, he makes the great exchange with you. While you're praising and worshiping God, God's making a great exchange. That, per, that song, yes and amen, I need you to understand my promises in prayer is yes and amen. If you have a promise from God, God's answer is yes. Your response to God's yes is amen. Did y'all get that part? When you find a promise of God in his word and you go to God in prayer and you say, Father, your word says that by your Jesus stripes, I am healed. God says, yes. Your response to God's yes is amen. What are you saying? So be it. I know, but but I got this going on. Uh -uh. God's promises to you is yes, and your response to God's yes is amen. That's why, oh, that's good, Lord. That's why at the end of your prayer, your prayer of agreement is not solidified until you say amen. Lord, I'm praying, but ain't nothing happening. Did you, did you, you didn't say, you didn't accept the, you didn't say yes, you didn't accept my yes and say Amen. So be it. In other words, you're saying, in accordance to what it is your promise says, so be it unto me. According to what it is your promise says, so be it unto my family members. So whatever it is that I'm praying for, whatever I'm and, and praying, did you ever notice that Jesus didn't say, Father, right now I come before you and I want to talk to you, Lord, about this situation. And Lord, I'm going to pray. But he never did that. Never did that. You know what Jesus did? Jesus was a sniper. Jesus went to the Father. Father, hallowed be thy name. Oh, glory to God. What does your kingdom say about this situation and circumstance? Oh, oh, okay. Your word says concerning this situation, my child, is your child gets diagnosed with sickness and disease. I don't receive that report. Father, your word says, and according to the kingdom, that they shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. So when they, when we get a risk, we got a report from one of uh, uh, our co, uh, Jewin's former co-worker, a friend of ours, 
Something was going on with their child. They told us what it was. Father, we didn't go, oh, Lord, well, if you have time right now, Lord, on my bending knees, Jesus, I'm here to, no, we didn't go through all that. We went to God and like, all right, Father, glory to God. This is what the report says, but we don't receive that report. What does your word say concerning? And he says, okay, son, since you're seeking first my kingdom, this is what my word, this is what the kingdom says about it. Declare this to me. He shall live and not die. Declare the works of the Lord. So we was like, Father, in the name of Jesus, in accordance to your word, we declare, and we said that child's name, he shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. He also said, now say back to me, Isaiah 53 and 5, Father, by Jesus' stripes, he is healed, and we declare he's healed from the turn of his head to the very soles of his feet. We believe that we receive it in Jesus' name, and we give you glory on and praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. What did that mean? I just said back to him what he said to me. Your, his promises is yes. My agreement is amen. amen. Do y'all see that? So I didn't go with my list of what I thought to say. I went and asked him, what should I say in this situation? Y'all see that? He did not pray the problem. Jesus never prayed the problem. He heard it, and then he responded with a solution. He heard it, like, concerning your children. We've been praying. Y'all know we've been praying for people's children, sons, daughters, prodigal sons and daughters, whether you're in the body of Christ, not in the body of Christ, whether you're in the church, not in the church. We've been praying for your sons and daughters and everything. And I can tell you, in our own family, we are seeing people begin to shift, and, and they don't know why, but we know. And we just, we ain't been like, oh, it's about time you got yourself together. And we didn't say nothing like that. You know, it's like, we like that. We did, oh, that's good, Lord. We, this is what he showed me this morning, Apostle. This is what he showed me this morning. The prodigal son's father. This was his, this was his heart's attitude. From the moment his son left, he planned for his return. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. From the moment the son left, Hallelujah. he planned for his return. He planned for his return. He, he knew at some point in time he was coming home. So this is what his heart status was. This is what he was. Watch this jiggle. This is what he did. He was like this every day, every day, like this, every day, expecting. That's why when he came, it, the son had come to his senses. He hadn't heard of scripture. He hadn't heard nobody prophesy to him. He hadn't heard any of that. God was giving him visions and dreams and 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 prophesying it. This is what this is. This is you. This is not who you are. This is not what I created. I made I, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And guess what ended up happening? When that's a, he had hit rock bottom. You don't have to hit rock bottom for God to reach out to you. God is always reaching out to you. But you typically give more attention when you've hit rock bottom. <laughs> and the son said. I can go back to my father's house. Why would he, why did he know he can go back to his father's house? Because his heart, his father's heart was like that. He had a position of love, not hate, not guilt, not condemnation. His heart condition towards his son was always of that of love. That's the same way the father's heart is towards you. No matter what you do, the father's heart is always like that. His arms is always like that. So how do you know 
that that was the position of the father's heart because the father came out and it says when the son was on his way back to the house, he had not got to the house yet. He hadn't got to the house yet. And when the father <laughs> seen the son afar off, I can see it. I, 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 when I read the Bible, I'm a visionary. I can see it. The father was out on the front porch looking. And we just seen a glimpse of the top of his head telling us what he did. Oh, and he, he took off full speed. He grabbed that, that robe tied around his way. He full speed, sandals flying and everything. And he came and he just fell on his neck and hugged him. Love is a powerful force. It will break you down like a shotgun. I am trained to eliminate situations in less than 30 seconds. But one force I could not overcome was the love of God. I couldn't overcome it. To this day, I, it broke me down like a shotgun. But what I'm saying is the father ran to the son. He didn't even give the son. The son hadn't even re rehearsed the script, what he was going to tell the father. And he just fell on his neck. And how do you know he had already been preparing for him to return? Because he didn't have to say, oh, let me think about how I'm going to celebrate it. He said, get the fatty calf, get the best robe, get my ring and everything. I'm going to restore you back to full, full position as if you had never left. No matter when the son kept trying to talk about that old mess, the father never listened to it. He said, my son that was once dead is now alive. Praise and worship is never wasted time. Praise and worship is never something to fill a void. Praise and worship is so you can begin to minister to God and God will minister to you right where you're at. It's never wasted time. So if you only give God this, you're saying, God, I'm going to give you a portion, but I'm not going to give it all to you. But when you get like this, God, I surrender it all. I surrender all. Because newsflash, you can't do nothing about it anyway without his help. So our family members who've been, been coming in, I ain't said a word to them, Sam. I ain't said a word to them. Because, guess why? Because over the years, my, my heart's position towards them has always been this. No matter how low you go, you can't go so love, low that the love of God can't reach you. So this morning, I say all that so we can do this. We're going to pray for our sons and daughters. Y'all think I was, we was going through all that just for my own exercise? I was just setting y'all up. Now y'all know the position in which, I mean, see, see your sons and daughters fulfilling the plan, purposes, plans of God. See your sons. And, see, I'm going to tell you how cool my parents was with theirs. I'm going to tell you how slick they were with theirs. My parents didn't say my son has to come back to this church, back to this state, back to this city. What I got to say for real, for real, and stop dating God and actually got for real, for real with God. They didn't care whose church I was in as long as I was getting the word. Is he back in the house? That's the most important. I don't say people, you got to come to Ignite. I mean, I would, I would invite you to come to Ignite, but if you don't and God leads you somewhere else, glory to God, just get to where God told you to be. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. 
So we're going to pray for our sons and daughters. Man, I'm telling you, y'all know, y'all don't even know what's about to happen. This week, we've been praying for sons and daughters and prodigal sons and daughters uh, in and outside of the body of Christ for the last three weeks. But this week, everybody say this week. <laughs> this week is the set time, the set up, the, 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 the coming home. I was singing last night when the, old, when the saints come marching in. I'm like, glory to God, Lord, I, I can see it that they're coming in. Now, and see, I'm not seeing it that I'm trying to work it up. All I'm saying is we declared from the very beginning how this thing was going to end. And we're all in expectation that the manifestation is at hand. Not that God has got to do it. We believe it's already done. We just sitting there looking. We like the prodigal son's father. We looking like, okay, <laughs> every day, every day, child, we look like, okay, okay, not today. okay, all throughout the day. Every time my phone rings, every time it vibrates, oh, I thought, oh, okay. And then suddenly, and what one of the relatives said is, I'm so glad to finally be back to who I really am. We didn't go, you know, I've been praying for you to get this. No, we just like, oh, praise God, that's awesome. How can we help you? How can we serve you? Love loves expecting nothing in return. Agape love loves expecting nothing in return. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we give you glory, honor, and praise. I, I invite you to pray with me. I pray in English, you pray in the Holy Ghost. Father, we give you glory, honor, and praise, and we thank you in the name of Jesus for this opportunity. Father God, to come boldly to the throne of grace that we may attain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Father, you've given us precious promises. Your promises are yes, and our response to your promises, amen. Father God, you said in your word that our children will come from, our sons will come from the east, our daughters will come from the west. Father God, that our children are coming back into the house, back into the kingdom, back into position with you right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we bind every satanic and demonic force that is trying to hinder them from receiving that which Christ has already done for them on the cross. We bind you in earth, therefore you are bound in the heavens. We release ministering angels, harvesting spirits to go forth right now, minister protection to our children right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that labors are being dispatched across their path to bring forth the harvest of the soul, who will be able to speak the right word to them, that their hearts will be open to receive it, that their lives will be forever changed, and first First and foremost, they'll restore a relationship with you, Father God. They'll restore a relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. They will come into relationship with Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. They'll fulfill the full purposes and plans and pursuits that you have for their lives in the name of Jesus. We declare and decree that our children shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. We declare and decree, Father God, that our children will prosper and be in health even as their souls are prosperous. They will walk out the word of God, Father God. They will come into a full contact with your very love the tangible manifested love of God that will ultimately change their lives forever. Father, we call it done right now in the name of Jesus. We believe that we receive it. It's so right now. No weapon that's been formed against our children shall prosper. Every tongue rose against them in judgment. We condemn and find to be in the wrong. We declare, Father God, that fear and terror and oppression will try to come, but it's not from you, and it, not, it shall not come even near our children in the name of Jesus. Their heritage is protection. Father God, for a thousand will fall at their side. Ten thousand at their right hand, but no hurt, harm, or danger shall even come near them. We decree it to be so. And Father, as soon as we begin to see 
we're seeing it in the spirit first, Father God, and then we'll see it in the natural. We see them coming home now in the spirit, Father God, expecting to see it in the natural. And Father, right now, we will not back down. We will not cave in. We will not quit, but we will get full of tenacity. We will become consistent, persistent, and insistent, and it puts away all resistance in the name of Jesus. Greater is he that's on the inside of us than he that is in the world. Therefore, we stand for our children right now in the name of Jesus, and we call them in from the north, the south, the east, and the west, back into the kingdom of God right now. And it's in your son Christ Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen and glory to God. Yeah, glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We ain't backing down. We ain't caving in and we ain't quitting. And Jesus, I'm not, I'm telling you, as soon as you start to see a little, a little resemblance of what it is you've been believing God for, that's not the time to cave to stop. That's the time when you put your foot on the gas. Why? Because you have not seen the full fruition. You have not, and he says that's where most people lose it. They see a little bit and then they quit praying they quit doing what it is and then god says but i need you to keep pressing because the father did not stop what he was doing until the son was physically back into the house he didn't stop until he physically was back in the house and guess what even after november's over i'm gonna tell you right now we're not gonna stop because guess what we haven't won, Doug, until they're in the house. We haven't won until they're in the seat. We haven't won until they're back in right relationship with God. So we're not going to give up, cave in. Just because the month's over, our assignment is not over. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, without further ado, hallelujah. Woo. I don't know about y'all, but I, I'm so fired up. I'm going to tell you why, Tyler, why it's important that you and I and, and many of the rest of you get this is because this, the shift is already taking place. The shift is already taking place. I'm going to share this with you, and then I'm going to turn it over to Apostle Godfrey. I'm going to share this with you. Here's what he, 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 he says. He said this to last night. He says, he says, and according to Mark chapter 2, verse 21, it says, I'm reading out an amplified. It says, no one sews a patch of unshrunken new goods on an old garment. He who does the patch tears away from it, the new from the old and rent to, and the rent tear becomes bigger and worse than it was before. And no one puts new wine into old wine skins. It, he says, if he does, the wine will burst the skins and the wine is lost and the bottles destroyed, but new wine is put into fresh new wine skins. And the reason what well, he says is he says for years, I've been, and this, is, this is across the body of Christ. This is for years. I've been asking you, can I do with you as the potter would do with the clay? And many have given me lip service, yet have continued on doing their own thing in their own strength for what seemed right for them, but not for what it is I wanted. He says, many are asking me to put new wine into old wine skins. And he says, and I will not. He says, I will not uh, do that for they would not be able to contain it. Neither would they do things in the manner to which I desire to do it. So I'm raising up a new generation 
who will hearken to my voice and follow wholly after me. So God's thing is, I've given, there's a season of time and God has given a season of time. And he's like, I'm raising up a new generation. I'm raising up a new generation to go in and do it the way that I said I wanted it done. And the reason why I'm saying talent and why it's so important that you and I and, and, and many of the rest of you are on board with this. He says, because in accordance to Joshua chapter one, he says, I told, I told, he said, this is what he said to me. I'm telling you, just like I said to Joshua, he says, my servant Moses is dead or I'm moving on. He says, now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I am given to them, to the sons of Israel, every place, Talon, of which the soles of your foot shall tread, I have given it to you. So he's telling us, he says, be strong of good courage. Be strong and of good courage and take the people over to the land. And so you be strong and of good courage for I shall give this people possession of this land. And it's, it's he says, it's already happened. It's not going to happen. It's already happened. That's why he's calling all the son, prodigal sons and daughters back into position is because the, we're going to train them up so they can go in and possess the land, north, south, east, and west. It's a hub. This is a hub. They'll go north, south, east, and west. And trust me, they are waiting. They're waiting. They're waiting. They, the old church stuff is not going to work. They're waiting. So I'm telling you, he's not going to put new wine in the old wineskins. That's why you got to know how to, when God shifts, you shift. And God shifted. And he says, okay, from this day forward, this is what I want you to do. And my response is simple. Yes, sir. And we've already started. When, when before the end of the month, we're going to roll out all what's going to be happening over the next, I, I got up to six months of plans for what's going to be happening here. It's going to be totally different. And, and it's so that we reach. We're not going to water down the word. Some people make the mistake. They water down the word. They try to become like the world to win the world. We are not going to do that. Cause I got, we got something that's, that's even more stronger than that. You wanna know what it's called? <laughs> the love of God. It don't make no difference where you at. The love of God, can, it don't make no difference where you at. We got the kingdom of God. And that's what we gonna use. That's what we're gonna teach. That's what we are gonna preach. That's what we are gonna demonstrate. They are not gonna have to run all the way to somewhere else. Cause I, there's one thing that we got that God gave us. And I'm telling you, it's, when I tell you about it, how he, how it's going to roll out, it, mm, I, I, I rolled it out to the board last week. I had a board meeting uh, last week, and I wrote them out to what we was going to do in 2022. They was like, glory to God. It's like, okay, praise God. And they started praying. Please let us know when you're going to do it, because we want to pray with y'all and stand with y'all, because they can see it. It's time. It's time. So without further ado, um, in accordance to Ephesians chapter four, Ephesians chapter four, verse number 11. We're so honored to be able to have Apostle Godfrey back in the house with us today, him and, and his lovely wife, Miss Dorothy. Man, I'm telling you, God, God sure know how to, how to pair you up with some people.
you know, it, it's like that one guy, he had four crazy friends. Yeah, I got four crazy friends. They'll pull your roof off, Tal, and pull your roof off and let you down right through the middle of it in Jesus' name. I'm telling y'all, I'm I'm if I could tell y'all everything, man, praise God. And according to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service to, to, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all obtain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the statue, which belongs to the fullness of Christ. It is, it is my great honor and privilege to, uh, to uh, introduce my brother, my brother from another mother. Uh, I mean, this is, this is my brother, my kinsman redeemer. I mean, this is my brother from another mother. And um, yeah, him and his wife, man, it's, we love them. We don't say they're just being churchy. I mean, it's genuine. I, well, if I tell you I love you, that's that's real. Do you want minister Julian to tell you? If I tell you I love you, that's the truth. Because I don't, I don't. Some people just throw that word around. Like, mm -mm. My, that love means that there's action that that goes with it. That love means that if you need me, you can call me because I'm going to be there. Amen? Amen. So, without further ado, I give you Apostle Godfrey, sir. God bless you. Hallelujah. Oh, it's good to be back home. Amen. Just reminded me of a joke. I used to tell my wife that uh, uh, I'm the tallest in the family. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's good to be back home. Uh, it's good to see everyone around again. It's good to see you all. And it's an honor and a privilege. I want to especially thank Apostle Milton and First Lady Joanne. I think I got it right, Joanne, yeah, uh, for the opportunity and the privilege. Amen. Once again, uh, I came with my lovely wife. Amen. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hallelujah. But we, we trust the Lord that he will lead us today in a unique way. I believe that uh, scripture makes us to understand that Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. So there's always a proceeding word. God is always saying something. God is not, um, if I may use the term, he has not stopped speaking. Just because we have documented information in the scripture doesn't mean God has stopped speaking. He's always speaking because he's alive. Anything that is alive always gives life. So he's always speaking. And we are only with taking and tapping into that, understanding what God is saying every day. So today, I believe God is going to speak to us. God has already started speaking to us from what our apostle was sharing today. He was going to certain areas, and I said, Lord, stop him, please. He's touching every area. <laughs> he was already going into virtually everything that I wanted to uh, emphasize today. Today is going to take a different format. I'm going to be a little bit very um, bold and emphatic about certain things because the Lord is moving us into a place of kingdom sonship and authority. We're a place where we take our place as sons of God on the earth, where we represent the interest of the kingdom. You know, they, they, they keep saying they are left and right side. We are the king's side. Uh, Joshua stood before uh, an angel. He didn't know it was an angel. 
He was about to go into a war front with Jericho. And he saw a man and as the warrior in him just came out and he went to him and approached him and said, are you for us or for the enemy? And he drew out his sword. He was ready to fight. He didn't know he was standing before an angel. And the angel looked at him and said, I'm neither for you nor for your enemy. I am on the Lord's side. So if you are going to walk, come on my side. So sometimes we, we, we tend to think that God is here to fund our own interests. We tend to miss the picture, the big picture, that God has an interest that has covered your own. That if we line up with him, then everything you need for life will be met. Seek ye first the kingdom, the interest of the king, and everything you are looking for is in that. Is in that. And so sometimes we think God has abandoned us to survive on our own, to thrive on our own, and we toil. Toiling is a product of the fall. Adam only started toiling when he went out of God's presence. Before he toiled, before he entered that experience, he was already in a place where everything was met. Everything was supplied. And God saw it was very good and then brought him to what was very good. And then God rested. So when he walked out of God's presence, that was when he started toiling. So your interest is already covered by the king. Your provision is already covered by the king. Everything you need for life is already covered by the king. So when you embrace him, and that's what I want to speak today about the foundation for our success. When you embrace that reality, everything falls into alignment. Let's pray. Father, we thank you because we know you have blessed us again. In Christ Jesus, you are bringing us every day into this wonderful understanding that you are for us and everything is working together for our advantage. Thank you for blessing us today. Thank you for opening our eyes of understanding. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you have poured forth over this house today. Thank you for giving us seeing eyes and hearing ears. Thank you for granting us understanding half. We bring every thought subject to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We bring every imagination subject to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We declare that your, only your truth will be made known. Only your voice will be heard. That light will come and darkness will not be able to comprehend it. We declare that chains will fall off from our minds. We declare that yokes will be destroyed and bodies will be lifted. We declare that lives will be transformed today in the name of Jesus. We thank you because you are king here. We thank you because you are exalted here. We thank you because all things are possible in your presence. And everything is possible here today in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The foundation for success. Our foundation for success is tied to one important ingredient that Pastor just mentioned. It's tied to who God is. And let me show you a scripture. God is much more than what we have thought or preached him to be. The summary of who God is, is love. It didn't say God has love. He said God is love. First John chapter 4, I believe, verse 7 and 8, it says, for God is love. So everything that defines God, every revelation of God is a product of love. His judgment is a product of love. His wisdom is a product of love. God heals, not because you are qualified, but because he loves you. 
God delivers because he loves. God provides because he loves. God trains and teaches us because he loves. The, everything he does is founded on love. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3. Let me read that scripture first. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 31, verse 3. I'll read it from the King James translation of the scriptures. It says, the Lord has appeared of old. In other words, he is the, this is the same consistent person from old. From the very first time creation came into space, came into being. God has been this. And now he has reappeared. Now. So this prophet was saying, the same God you heard about, this is who I'm revealing to you. The same God there was, there was, there was, that you read about is what I'm showing you today. The same God that appeared of old unto me saying, Yea, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Therefore, I have drawn thee. Pastor was talking about how the father comes out all the time looking for his son. I have drawn thee by love. Because God is love, everything he does is founded on that. So that means he will teach you from a standpoint of love. You know, I started learning about the nature of God. I was sharing my testimony uh, a few days ago, um, many years, uh, many years back now, almost 11, 10, 10 plus 11 years now. I was in a state where I felt I was under a curse from God because I felt I disobeyed or did something. When pastor was talking about uh, the father has drawn us and brought us back home, I was just thanking God. I said, Lord, thank you for bringing me back home. Now, how did he bring me back home? He brought me back home by, by his understanding, by showing me some truth about his love. Because I, I felt I was under a curse. I had made a lot of mistakes. I've, I've, I've been a Christian for a while, and I've, I felt I was, I was supposed to be in the ministry, and I left the ministry and went to do other things, and I was like a rebellious child. I was in that state where everything was shut down. It's like uh, everything I tried to do was not working. And from the environment I grew up in, I was told that, God was punishing me because of something I did against him. God was punishing me because I rebelled against him. Now, there are consequences for rebellion, but it was not God who was punishing me. It was the devil who, was, who took advantage of my disobedience. That's a different thing. So I started praying and asking God, and I got to a place I was trying to get married. Everything was shut down. I didn't have any resources. Everything was like I was lost. And I was about to get married. I didn't have anything, even my suit. I didn't have anything to pay for. My, I didn't even have the money to transport myself from where I was to where my family was. It was that bad. I was staying with a friend who was married. And he had his one room. And I was sleeping with him and his wife on the same bed. You know, it was so embarrassing for me that he took me in because I didn't have a house to stay. I was, I was in the lowest point of my life. Because in my mind, I believe that I was under a curse. I believe that I, something was wrong with me. I was not measuring up to God's standard. And so God was using this to punish me. And then I said, okay, the only thing I can do is to cry out for mercy. So I said, okay, let me go on a three-day fast. And I'll cry out for mercy. And I asked myself, what can I pray for? I don't know. I didn't know what I did. But I was living under a yoke that something was not right. 
all because of the information that I grew up in from the environment I lived in. And so I started praying. The first day I was saying, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. The second day I said, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. Then the third day I was saying, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. And then I heard the Lord speak to my heart. I will say, Lord, have mercy. I'll pray in tongues. Lord, have mercy. Pray in tongues. And then the Lord spoke to my heart and said, even the prodigal son was still loved by his father. And I, it, it struck me. Even the prodigal son was still loved by his father. And I sat down and meditated upon that word. The prodigal son was still loved by his father. I, have, I, I remember the story of the prodigal son. He rebelled against authority. He took what his father gave him and wandered into a place and lived a riotous life. He spent all his father gave him. He lived a, like we say in local palace, a wayward life. To the point he spent all his father's resources and he came to his lowest point in that location. And God was telling me that even while he was there, even in that rebellion, the father still loved him. And as I was meditating upon the word, I said, and I started evaluating my life. You know, we do, we do some economics. And I said, comparing my life, I said, okay, this guy was very bad, man. <laughs> and I started looking at mine. I said, but even if I was bad, I was not like this. <laughs> I don't think, I, don't think I, I measured up to this guy's standard. Man, this guy was something else. And I, and, I, and, I, and I started looking at my life and I said, even if I was in this guy's standard, the love of the father didn't leave me. And I said, Lord, I thought you abandoned me. Lord, I thought you hated me. Lord, I thought I was not measuring up. But now I know you love me. Now I know you are for me. Now I know you are working everything together for my good. Now I know you are not punishing me. Now I know you are working for my good. As I started speaking, there was like a body lifted from my shoulders. It was like my eyes opened to a new understanding of God. Peace came into my heart. Why? I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have loved you. In spite of your flaws, I still love you. In spite of your missteps, I still love you. In spite of your mistakes, I still love you. My love doesn't change because you changed. My love doesn't change because you wandered away. It was my love that still kept you, even while you wandered away. So while I was meditating upon that, meditating upon that, the peace of God started rising in my heart. The joy of the Lord started bubbling from within. The joy of the Lord started bubbling from within. And within a few minutes, I felt all the shackles that had dominated my thoughts, all the pain and the guilt and the shame and the condemnation that has troubled my heart started breaking off and breaking off and breaking off and breaking off. And I've been on that journey of love since that time, more than 10 years now. But this, I said all that to say this, Everything I started praying, I've been wishing that God would answer me for. I've been praying for a lot of stuff. From that day, doors started opening. Not because I knew how to pray, because I knew how to pray, but because I embraced the love of God. And all of a sudden, it's like the windows of heaven pop open. I started getting calls from all kinds of places. <laughs> Something very funny happened. My boss I was working with then, he was a very, very stingy, like they say in certain quarters, very, very tight-fisted kind of person. He doesn't give support to those who are getting married. It has never been a, a it has been a, like a laid-down rule. 
But on my case, that very day, I got a call. That very day that the Lord was opening my eyes, I got a call from the office. I said, they asked me, are you traveling now? I said, I'm about to travel now and join. I didn't have the money to travel anyway. <laughs> I was planning to travel. So I'm about to travel now to join my family and get wed and get married. And I said, oh, um, boss said you should come to the office. He has something for you. Stop by in the office before you leave. I said, okay. I, I rushed to the office and I got to the office. I saw my boss's assistant and said, oh, boss, I just left the package for you. He said I should give it to you before you leave. So he left. So he put something in my hand, like an envelope. I said, boss said you should... You know, you're a young man trying to get married and just take it easy. Don't spend more than you can spend. And this is for you. And when he mentioned the amount, I've never seen that amount in my life. And I said, and I said to me again, he said, if, if you're a horse in the office, gather together and wanted to put some things together for you to get married, this is for you. By the time I left that office that day, I had so much money that I've ever imagined. And for the first time, I said, Wow, just by embracing the love of God, just by receiving God's love. You know, many times we think that, the, that God is the one withholding things from us, whereas God is the one working everything for our advantage. Hallelujah. So this scripture is teaching us, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Let's look at another scripture, First John chapter 2. First John chapter two. Hallelujah. Let's look at verse five. The King James translation. Whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. He that said he abided in him, ought himself also, so to walk even as he walked. In other words, how do you keep his word in your heart? How do you abide in him? How do you embrace him? Let me read it from the Passion Translation. And it says, But the love of God will be perfected within me, within the one, who obeys God's word. We can be sure that we have, we have truly come to live in intimacy with God. What does it mean? It means to obey simply means to respond. That means that if God says, I love you, your job is to respond. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm dating, for instance, when I was dating my wife and, and I said, I love you, I want to spend the rest of my days with you. If she didn't respond, if she just stood like this looking at me, I would know that something was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> is that I was not using the right language or I was not communicating my, my slangs very well, my love slangs very well, or I needed to improve because you are expecting a response when you speak in that kind of way. When you go to the shopping mall, you want to buy a particular thing and you pay for a commodity, you expect a response, an exchange. God is saying, when I say I love you, I want a response from you. In other words, I want you to respond in a way that you will trust my love for you. I want you to respond in a way you would trust my compassion for you. I want you to respond in a way you would trust that I am not condemning you. I want you to respond in a way that you, you can go out and brag. You know, a child, a child will always brag about their parents' love. Daddy loves me. You know, if you grew up in a large family like some of us, you know, there are certain members of the family that 
they always know how to tell mommy or daddy, convince them about anything you need. So you, you will tell Johnny, come, come, come. Go tell mommy that we need to watch this. Go tell mommy that. So they know how to go and say, daddy, we want to watch something. Why? That child has come to a place that they believe that whenever they ask, they will receive. Why? They know the father's love. They trust in that love. They are yielded to that love. And because they are yielded to that love, they are bold enough to walk into the father's presence without any fear. They are bold enough to step into the father's presence without any condemnation. You know, some of us who have grown in a place where we didn't expect, we didn't see that love. So we are always afraid or ashamed of approaching the father. But God is saying, I have loved you. I have loved you. The revelation of the old is the revelation of the present. I have loved you with an everlasting love. In other words, my love cannot depart from you. And once you respond to it, once you open up your heart to it, you will begin to enjoy. It will be ignited within you. Praise the Lord. Let's look at a few other scriptures in 1 John chapter 2. I'm trying to set a foundation for you. The foundation by which you build your relationship with the Lord. The foundation by which you build your walk with the Lord. 1 John chapter 2. Just a few scriptures downwards. Let's look at what he says about maturity. In verse 12. I remind you, dear children, I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Your sins have been permanently removed because of the power of his name. So one of the first expression of the love of God is that your sins are forgiven. So when you start as a child in the love of the father, when you start as a child growing up in the love of the father, the first thing you, you realize that your sins have been forgiven. The first thing you realize is that the father has nothing against you. The first thing you realize, you know, when a child makes a mistake, they are not bold and confident enough to walk into the father's presence. For instance, don't touch this and they touch that. Don't do this and something happened. Maybe you, they say, don't touch these plates, the broken plates, your china plates. And then <laughs> this, they push the plate and it got broken. When, when daddy and mommy comes back, no child wants to go and report themselves that, oh, I broke your china plates. <laughs> they will go and hide. Why? Because they are ashamed and afraid that uh, mommy will be cross. Daddy will be angry because they said I shouldn't touch this and I touched it. The first revelation of the love of the father that we, is established as we grow up as children is the revelation that our sins have been forgiven. The revelation that God is not holding anything against you. Do you know what that means? For you to wake up in the morning and know you are not under condemnation. You are not under a negative condemnation. You are not on, God is not looking for an opportunity to punish you. He has written off everything that is against you. Hallelujah. So the first revelation of the love of God as a child is to know my sins. Say with me, say my sins. Say my sins. My sins are forgiven. Say again, my sins are forgiven because the Father loves me. Scripture makes us to understand that Jesus, in 1 John chapter 2 from verse 1, that Jesus is the propitiation. It's an old English language to mean he was the one who was given in exchange for our sins. For God so loved the world, your sins were here. Jesus is here. And there was an exchange 
Jesus took the place of your sins. Jesus took the place of your condemnation. Jesus took the place of your missteps. Jesus took the place of everything that was contrary and that was against you. Jesus took that place and perfect and complete. He became the perfect sin offering. You know what it means to, to offer something as an offering? It means you have given it as a gift. Jesus was the perfect sin offering. So when Jesus was dying, God was judging your sins and my sins. When Jesus was on the cross, God was dealing with my sins. Every sin you can ever think of was on Jesus. When he died, my sins were judged there. When he was buried, it was me and my sins that he was being buried. When he rose, I rose in him. Different, free from that condemnation. So we have risen. If he's alive, then you have risen out of condemnation. We sang about rising out of the ashes. That ashes means condemnation. That ashes mean guilt. That ashes mean shame. We have risen out of it in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So the first revelation of the love of God is that my sins have been canceled out. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see a sinner. Hmm. When God looks at you, he doesn't see a condemned sinner. When God looks at you, he sees his beloved. You know what you do to your beloved? You run after them. You know what you do for your beloved? You pour out your love upon them. You lavish them with gifts. You lavish them. That's why it's called grace. The Bible speaks about Jesus. He said, Jesus is the revelation of grace and truth. If you know Jesus, you must know grace. If you know Jesus outside of grace, it's not the Jesus of the Bible. Hallelujah. The revelation of Jesus is the revelation of his grace. The revelation of Jesus is the revelation of his mercy. The revelation of Jesus is the revelation of your sins are forgiven. Look at how Jesus deals with people. Uh, our pastor was talking about uh, the four friends, uh, that you need to have friends like that that will tear off your roof. <laughs> I hope in, in Canada they will allow it. <laughs> but friends that can stand with you. It was, there were four friends that were friends to this man, the paralytic man, who was paralyzed. And then four of his friends, the Bible tells us of the story that they went to where Jesus was teaching the word. And the Bible says the power of God was present there. Now, how do we know the power of God was present? The power of God was present like it is here, but only one person was able to cash in onto it. So while they were there sitting, just like we're here having the feast of the word, then they opened the roof and brought this man who was paralytic from his birth or so, brought him down to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him. Now, he was paralyzed. He needed to be healed. He was paralyzed. He was in a very, very bad condition physically. But Jesus looked at him and dealt with what was more important to his soul than his physical healing. Thank God for healing. But there was something that was troubling the man. There was something that no one could see that was affecting his consciousness. It was the fact that he felt that he was a sinner. He was not qualified to receive anything from God. He was living under condemnation. He was living under shame. You know, sometimes you can be in a problem and think that it was because of your sins, quote and unquote, and God is using that to punish you. The enemy is just taking advantage of that lie. And so Jesus looked at him and said, your sins are forgiven. Your sins 
are forgiven. That was what was the trouble of his heart. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are wiped away. Your sins are removed. That means the God of heaven, the righteous judge, the one who is holy, so holy that angels declare holy, saying your sins are forgiven. And everybody was saying, how can you, a man, say that? He said, what is more important? I can tell him to get up. But there was something that will trouble him even after he gets up. He needs to know that his sins are forgiven. The foundation of the love of God. For every person to be successful as a believer, as a child, you start as a child, you must settle this in your heart. My sins are forgiven. God is not looking for an opportunity to punish me. He's only looking for an opportunity to grow me in him. The next line. Let's look at the next line. It says, I remind you fathers and mothers, you have a relationship with the, whole, with the one who has existed from the beginning. In other words, God is saying, when you become a father or you become a mother, he's talking about spiritual maturity. He's talking about those who have now matured Maturity simply means you are walking in the light of the love of God. You have he said you have known him from the beginning. That means that, remember Jeremiah 31 verse 3, the one from the beginning loves us with an everlasting love. You have known him simply means it's a daily practice. It's a practice in your family. You have governed your home by love. You have decided that your family will be known by love. Just like God has forgiven you, you have forgiven others. You have set a standard in the family that in this family, love rules. So when I speak to my wife, I speak to wife from the point of love, the same way God loves me. When I speak to my spouse, I speak to them based on how God treats me. When I raise my kids, I raise them based on the way God treats me. When I look at my enemies, so quote unquote, those who don't like me, I look at them the way God looks at me. I was once an enemy of the cross. Jesus said that the father sends rain to the righteous and the unrighteous. That means that the father loves unconditionally. Like pastor said, he was saying that you love, love, good agape love, don't expect anything in return. You don't know why? Because that is who you are. You are a, you are a son of love. You are born in love. And because you are born in love, the only thing you give is love. So if they squeeze you like they squeeze an orange, what is inside comes out of you. I used to tell my wife that I have had wonderful things. You know, when you come from a wonderful large family like I do, <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. When you come from a large family like I do, you, you always have different kinds of relationships. And so there was something that happened sometime back and I was upset with certain people in the family. And I decided to take a different route to respond. And my wife was asking me, why are you responding that way? And I said, I'm not going to come down to their level by stepping out from my level. I'm going to respond from who I am as a love being. I'm not going to respond from the way they treated me. I'm going to respond from the way God treats me. See, when you forgive people, you are not giving them a favor. You are, you are telling them they don't have a right to keep you under the yoke of bitterness. You are saying to yourself, I can't be under that yoke of bitterness or offense that you are trying to give to me. 
when you let it go. Why? The scripture makes us to understand that forgiveness does more to you than to the person. You're not doing the person a favor. You're doing yourself a major favor by letting it go. Hallelujah. And so as a child, the first foundation is that you are founded in love. As a father, the, the next foundation is that you have grown to know it. You are beginning to practice love in all your actions. You are making love the foundation by which you treat your friends. You're making love the foundation by which you give. You're making love the foundation by which you look at anyone else. Let's look at the next verse. Hallelujah. It says, I write these things and I remind you young people. Okay, let me read the next verse. I remind you, fathers and mothers, you have a relationship with the one who has existed from the beginning. And I remind you, young people, you have defeated the evil one. That means as you begin to mature, you have defeated, not that you will defeat the evil one. The evil one is the one who is trying to take hold of your heart and put offense in your heart. That means the evil one is the one trying to tell you God doesn't love you. The evil one is the one who is called the accuser of the brethren. How does he accuse you? He speaks words into your ears. He tells you just because of yesterday that God is holding something against you. He begins to remind you of your mistakes. He reminds you of your past. He reminds you of your flaws. He tells you you don't measure up. You think you can pray like Apostle Milton does? No, God will not answer your prayer. You think you are this? Who makes you think you are that? That's the voice of the accuser. He's always trying to accuse you, trying to talk down on you, trying to make you look inferior before God, trying to make you look ashamed, trying to make you look, make you look guilty. That's what the, the scripture is saying, that I, I talk to you young men, I remind you young men, that you have overcome the one, the evil one. He's defeated. Jesus defeated him by love. The only weapon you can use to defeat the evil one is by love. You just need to wake up and say to myself, every day, I am the one that the father loves. If there is no human being on the face of the earth, God loves me. If there is no one that God will support, God will support me. If there is no one that God has given all his grace to, God has given it to me in Christ Jesus. Why? Jesus died for my shame. He died for my mistakes. He died for my past. Now I am the loved of the father. I am his beloved. Next verse. I write these things to you, dear children. I think I'm in verse 16. I write these things to you, dear children, because you truly have a relationship with the Father. You see, you're now switching the roles. I have a relationship with the Father. I write these things, fathers and mothers, because you have had a true relationship with him who is from the beginning. And I write these things to you, young people, because you are strong in the word of God. And the word of God is treasured in your hearts. And you have defeated the evil one. In other words, our relationship, our strength in God is fostered in the love of God. Our foundation is in the love of God. The foundation for your success as a believer. The foundation for your success when you pray. The foundation for your success in everything you do is the love of God. You see, the reason why I know God will answer me is because I know he loves me. Whoever you love, you spend time with. Whoever you love, you give all for. The Bible makes me know he loves me with an everlasting love. So today I want to challenge you to understand and be established in the love of God. How do you do that? By looking at who God is, not by who you are. Because if you look at yourself, 
to measure up to who God is, you will always fall short. But you need to look at who God is and how he is to you to define you. Your identity is not what they said you are. Your identity is what God says it is. And he's saying to you, you are the loved one. He's saying to you, I have forgiven you. He's saying to you, you are the one I have loved unconditionally. Let me show you a scripture in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Thank you. Romans chapter 8. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 8, we'll take it towards the end. Let's take it from verse 29 or 28. Let's take it from verse 28. It says, so we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. That means for those who are lovers, everything works for their advantage. Even their mistakes works for their advantage. <laughs> those who are in the love boat. Have you ever seen, what well, I used to describe it. Those who are in a love environment. You can use anything to create anything out of the environment. You become innovative in a love environment. You know, especially when, for those who have been, who have courted before they got married, everything the woman does is perfect. <laughs> it becomes creative. So when she speaks in a certain way, so oh, that's a new one. You learn, you take it and you innovate it. You know, her dressing becomes innovative. Everything around is creative. Why? Because you are in a love environment. What you are seeing is just this lovely person. So they can't make any mistakes. They can't make any mistakes. Am I speaking the same language or am I the only one who had that experience? <laughs> so in a love environment, everything is creative. Everything is innovative. In a love environment, you go the extra mile. In a love environment, everything becomes useful. Nothing becomes discarded. In a love environment. In a love environment, everything becomes an advantage, becomes purposeful, becomes wonderful. You can take something and make beauty out of it. You can take something and create something. Else, and that's what the Father has done with us. We are in his love environment. We are in his love space. We are in his love heart. And so he takes, looks at our life from those perspectives and takes everything and begins to woven it out together. And looks at your life. And what you are looking at and condemn, you say, no, I am a potter. I can mold you into the right shape. Just look at me. Look at me. Stop looking at your shape. Look at me. I am the one who loves what I'm saying. You know, if you've been around an artist, an artist, artists are very, very strange people. And those who are into sculpture, they are very strange people. If you give them marble or give them rocks, they will just look at it and say, whoa! You'll be wondering, what are they seeing? They'll say, whoa! They'll touch this and move around and they'll come and say, oh, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. In their mind, they've seen the finished product. So what they're looking at is just the tool that they're walking towards to get to the finished product. If you've met a designer, 
someone who is very good at designing homes. If they walk into this space and say, okay, I want to furnish my home. I don't know what to do. And they look at it. Oh, they, they just begin to smile. They know the colors to mix. They know the chairs, where the chairs that we go to. They know what everything we place out. They can see the finished product from an unfinished place. That's how the father looks at us. So we are the ones looking at the unfinished things. God is the one looking at the finished product. And our finished product is Christ Jesus. He's looking at you and he's seeing Christ as the finished product. And he's comparing you to what he sees in Christ. And he's saying, whoa, this is good. This is good. And you're looking at yourself, what is good? He said, this is good. This is wonderful. You are beautiful. He's looking at you and saying, you are beautiful. He's calling forth out of you what he sees in you that you don't see in yourself. Love is innovative. Love is creative. Love will always bring out the best from what people have called the worst. Love will always maximize what people have downsized. Love will always elevate that which people have put down. So stop looking at yourself from your perspective. Look at yourself from what Romans says, from the love's viewpoint. It says all things. When the Lord started showing me this scripture some time back, he showed me that even everything I have made as a mistake is a tool by which God is using to train me. All things can work together. You know, if you are cooking a delicious meal, you know, there are a lot of ingredients that you can't take individually. You know, if you're cooking stew, for instance, I don't know if you guys eat stew like we do. Uh, you know, when you're cooking stew, stew with tomatoes and pepper and onions and all that, you know, each ingredient on their own, you can't just take it and eat it. I've not seen someone going around with onions, just chewing it like carrots. Have you seen that? I've not seen. <laughs> I've not seen anyone taking raw pepper unless I'm in movies. <laughs> you take raw peppers and just be eating it like that. No, it's not popular because you can't eat it for too long like that. But when you put all the stuff together, you bring that which is hot. You bring that which is hot like onions. You bring that which is a little balanced like the tomatoes. You bring everything together. You bring the seasoning, you bring the mind, you bring everything together to produce a meal called stew that has all these combinations together and it becomes a perfect thing. Everything that has happened in your life is an instrument of God's love. Everything that has happened in your life, God can innovatively use it together for your advantage. The sculptor, the one who designs things, the artist, he's never, he's never at a loss with the materials he has. He always knows what to maximize out of these materials. I'll just show a few more thoughts. I'm going somewhere with this. Let's look at verse 31. So what does all this mean? If God has determined to stand with us, can you imagine that? Tell me, who then could ever stand against me? If God has determined to love me with an everlasting love, who then can oppose me? It's a question he's asking. That's the question you should ask yourself. God is for me. Who then can oppose me? Next verse. For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure. God is not going to show you how much he loves you than the love he showed when he gave Jesus. 
For God so loved, he gave. The giving up of Jesus is the evidence that God loves you. He said, God has proved his love for you by giving Jesus. Next verse. He says, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't be told from us anything else he has to give. What does that mean? It means that if God gave you Jesus before you prayed, God gave you Jesus before you fasted, God gave you Jesus before you even knew it, God gave you Jesus even when you are, not ignorant, you are ignorant of his love, God gave Jesus for you when you are ignorant. How much more now that you are in his place will he not freely give you anything else? God is not withholding anything from you. If he could give you Jesus before you ask for it, then he cannot withhold anything else. Next verse. Who then will dare to accuse those whom God has chosen to love to be his? Who can then accuse me now? Who can lift up an accusation against that which God has already determined to love? You know, it's difficult to accuse someone that you have determined to love. If, for instance, I love my wife, there are some things you can't tell, you tell me about her. If you, if you come to tell me anything negative about her, I will disagree. I won't wait until I find out if it's true or not. I will first of all disagree with you. Why? I've been in situations where family have come up to me and said, your wife did this. I said, no, she can't do that. And don't think she can't do that. You see, if you love someone or you love something, let me break it down. Maybe that's too, too, a little bit too. You have a favorite sport team. Maybe you're a football fan or a soccer fan. You love, um, let's say you love, for those who watch soccer, you love uh, Manchester United or you will love Liverpool. Okay, those who okay, don't watch soccer yet, that's uh, more of a British thing. Let me come back to Canada. Which sport? Hockey. Okay, yes. Montreal Canadiens or Ottawa? Ottawa Senators. Perfect. Yes. You love one of the favorite teams and you, you are a team fan. You always go out for the tournament. And if you're playing against your rival, and you're watching this thing in the stands. I imagine how you will respond if someone is speaking against your team. If someone is saying your team don't your team don't play well. If someone is saying that your team is not good enough. If you hear that, you will oppose any accusation against your team. Why? You love your team. You know that's why we have the issue called fans. Fans will always defend their teams. Fans will always defend the team they love. They will always try to shout down on the next team to bring them down because why? They don't want them to put down their own team. God is saying from this scripture, who can accuse you when I have determined to love you? In other words, God is my defense. God is the one who has determined to love me with an everlasting love. I'm not the one who determined to love him that way. He's the one who determined to love me that way. My job is to respond to his everlasting love. Hallelujah. I'll read the next few scriptures, then we'll pray. It says, God himself is the judge 
who has issued his final verdict over them. And that final verdict is not guilty. I'm reading the Passion Translation. I like it because it breaks it down. God has issued his final verdict on me. And he's saying, not guilty. In the judgment seat of Christ, there's a pronouncement that has come forth from above. And he's saying, not guilty. The next verse. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one. For he gave his life for us. And even more than that, he has conquered death and is now risen, exalted and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he's continually praying for our triumph? How can the one who wants to wish you well, wish you down? How can the one who was looking for your success on earth, wish your downfall? Next verse. Who could ever divorce us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Who can divorce you? You know, many times, many, many of us think that we can divorce ourselves from the love of God. The Bible says, who can? It's asking the question. God's love is like, how will I put it? It's like an ever-rushing wind that never stops flowing, blowing in our direction. Even when you run, it runs after you. Even when you run away, it keeps chasing after you. Next verse. Absolutely no one. For nothing in this universe has the power to diminish his love towards us. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers, and death threats? No, for they are all impotent to hinder the omnipotent love, even though it is written, all day long we face death threats for the sake, for your sake, God, we are considered to be nothing more than sheep for the slaughter. Yet, even in the midst of all these things, hallelujah, we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors and has demonstrated his love towards us, to, love, love to us, glorious victory over everything. So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in this universe with the power to separate us from God's love. Nothing in this universe can separate you from the love of God. Amen. Let's close our eyes to pray. I want you to just think about what that word means. Nothing can cut you off from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing. Include all your mistakes. Include all the accusation the enemy has been whispering to your ears and then say to it, even you, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Even you, nothing can separate me from the love of God. And if, it, if, it, if that applies to you, it applies to every human being on the earth. It applies to our sons and daughters. It applies to everyone who has walked away. Nothing can separate them from the love of God. Nothing. We are caught and surrounded 
not just by the cloud of weaknesses, but by the love of God. He said, even if you go deep, he goes deep with you. The psalmist said, where can I go from your presence? Where can I hide from you? Even when I make my bed in hell, you are still there. Even when I make my abode in hell, you are still with me. Your love has chased me into the very deepest parts of the earth and has located me even when I was not found by men. You found me by love. Lift up your voice and just receive his love. Receive his love. That is the foundation I want you to be established today. That is the foundation by which you will relate with him. As you move into the next phase of your life, this foundation has to be secure. I am loved by God. I am his beloved. I am loved with an everlasting love. I am loved with an everlasting love. I am loved even if I make my bed in hell. I am the loved of the world, Father, with an everlasting hell. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I am the love of the Father. I am loved with an everlasting love. I am loved with an everlasting love. Father, I thank you for loving us. Showing us that nothing, nothing made by man, nothing visible or invisible, has the power to cut your love off from flowing in our direction. So Lord, we turn and respond to your love. We embrace your love for us that was given to us when you gave us Jesus. We embrace your love. You said you have given us Jesus for you loved us and you gave us Jesus, the greatest gift ever, the treasure of heaven. You poured it out for our souls. You poured it out for all our redemption. You poured it out for all our deliverance. You poured it out for all our healing and provision. You poured Jesus as the perfect gift for us. Lord, we embrace your love for us that was given to us in Jesus. We embrace your love for us knowing that you will never leave us nor forsake us. We embrace your love for us knowing that you have written off our sins. You have forgiven us our iniquities. You have canceled our debts on the cross. We embrace your love for us because we know you have given us a new way of living now. We are the ones that have the forgiven ones. We are the ones that have no shame. We are the ones that have no more guilt. We are the ones that are no longer under condemnation. We are the ones that have been redeemed and loved unconditionally. We are the ones that have been raised up to sit with you in heavenly places. We are the ones that have been given a place of influence with you. We are the ones you have opened the heavens unto. We are the ones you have given a state of acceptance and embrace in your family. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, teach us to live in this awareness every day that you have loved us with an everlasting love. You have loved us from the time in old to even the present time and even to the future because you are the same yesterday, the same today, and the same forever. You have loved us with an everlasting love. I speak your love healing to every heart, heart here today. Every heart struggling with burdens of guilt and condemnation. You are free today. I set you free from that yoke in the name of Jesus. I set you free from that bondage in the name of Jesus. I set you free from that pain in the name of Jesus. The pain of the past has no more hold over you. 
The devil has no more right over your heart. In the name of Jesus, you are free. Because the love of the Father is yours. In the name of Jesus. I speak concerning everyone looking for healing. Thinking that God gave you this as a testament to punish you. No. The enemy stole your health. And today, we, if the thief is caught, he will restore everything that is stolen. I speak to your body now. Be set free. Because God loves you, you will be healed right now. In the name of Jesus. We command every pain to go. We command every long-standing illness to be resolved. Your body receives the healing touch of heaven. In the name of Jesus, from the crown of your head to the tip of your toes, it is because he loves you, he bore your sickness. It is because he loves you, he nailed it on the cross. It is because he loves you, he heals. And so in the name of Jesus, I speak health over your body. I speak health over your mind. I speak health over your body. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You have loved us with an everlasting love. We are the loved of the Father. And nothing can separate us from your love. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Praise his holy name. Glory to God. I don't know about you, but I was blessed by that word today. I know you was blessed by that word today. That that is the word that so many people need to hear. You are loved. You are loved. Come on, say that with me. I am loved. You don't have to perform to get God to love you. I don't care what you've done. I mean, I'm a... When I came into the knowledge of how much God loved me, burdens were removed, yokes were destroyed, shingles and shackles was removed off of my... When I truly understood, not I wasn't even in church, I was at home, he demonstrated his love, how much he loved me. And much like you, brother, when, when, when after I really came into the knowledge of how much God loves me, I mean, really, really loved me, it wasn't then, it wasn't until then that a few months later, he presented Minister Julian. And she's like love on steroids. I mean, Lord, we was talking about that this morning. And the dog was like love on steroids. I'm like, I can't go from one room to the next. If it ain't her, it's the dog. I mean, I walk around like, he's always falling. And we was talking about how he walk out the house for 20 minutes. He would respond like I was gone for 20 days. He's just jumping all over the place. Like, brother, I just walked out the house. What she does is, is it, it wasn't until we really come into the understanding about how much God, loved, because now I have something to give. See, before I had a wrong understanding of my love, but when I understand how much God, see, you can't really love another person till you really know how much God loves you. Not God kind of love, because God's love is unconditional. I love you if you do it all the way right, I love you if you don't do it right. I don't condone it, but there's nothing you can make God do. There's nothing you can do to make God stop. He, he, 
nothing, nothing. No matter how much you've messed up, no matter how many times you failed, no matter how many bad mistakes, it does not matter. God still loves you. And see, that's the, that's the altar call this morning is God wants to give you an opportunity to receive the practical side of that love that he, he's already demonstrated towards you in the fact that he sent Jesus to die just for you. See, God doesn't demonstrate power to show how big and strong he is. God demonstrates power to show you how much he loves you. That's what, that's what the whole power thing about. See, if you want to receive more power, you got to act, operate in more love. See, we believe, Lord, give me power. Give me power. God's like, get my love. No, Lord, I'm casting down. Get my love. Because see, the very people that you, see, see, those people that we will call, the world will call enemy, God still calls them those who I love. And I want you to love, the, love them to life, not condemn them to death. God loves you. Look at me in the camera. God loves you. There's nothing you can do to make God stop loving you. Why? Well, I, 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 I committed a crime. I murdered somebody. God still loves you. Look at Paul. Look at Moses. God still used them mightily. Well, I got married out of wedlock. Well, I had a child outside of wedlock. All right, I had this, I had that, I bought it. Whatever, doesn't matter what it is you did. God still loves you. I want to win my family. You know how we begin to win the family? I'm going to give you the secret. Y'all want the secret sauce? Increase my love walk. Not talking it. I didn't start talking it. I just started doing it. I stopped talking it and started doing it to the point they can see it without me saying anything. And they were like, we know something has changed. Well, I told you, Minister June is like love on steroids. People can see. People can see something shifted. And they've been watching it for years. Like, what the world? Where was all this at before? I didn't have a revelation of God's love. I could teach you about the love of God, but I didn't have a tangible understanding of the love of God. But when I did, whoo, man, I want to love everybody. That's what Minister Jewin said to me when I came and sat down. She said, you love everybody. What you talking about? I do. You can't do anything to make me stop loving you. I mean, I like it. But I still love you. God may not like it, but he still loves you. See, people, yeah, even all the way back to your childhood, God still loves you. Amen. So I'd like to give you an opportunity to receive that love right now his tangible love right now in the fact that he said,
I sent Jesus to die just for you. Now, in the natural for most men and everything, it sounds kind of like ooey gooey, chewy and all that and everything. That's just because we got that wrong definition of love based off what the world gives. Men don't, men don't express love like that. Men are, um, you are, you are strong man. Men don't cry. Men don't do this. Man, the world is so jacked up right now. I wouldn't use them as my example of what love is. They jacked up. They don't even know. They can't even tell. Oh. They can't tell the difference between. Uh, okay, she said, "Don't do it." But y'all know, they don't know the difference between what a real, what marriage really is. They can't tell you about marriage. How somebody in Hollywood gonna tell you about marriage? They've been married five times. They gonna tell you and and what you see in the script that's scripted. Somebody wrote that. That's not reality. You don't just walk in a room, look at somebody like, "Oh, I just love you." I mean, maybe you know. Maybe some of y'all, but now that that's not reality. The world's love is blind. Marriage is an eye opener, though, and it's gonna take the love of God to keep y'all together. No, the love towards her. No, the love towards him that teaches me how to love her. The love for her love towards him that teaches her how to love me. It's not based off of feelings. Feelings change. God never does. So if you never accepted Jesus before as your personal Lord and Savior, you like to today, you like to take this opportunity to receive, to see love in action. God can set you free right now. God can turn your whole life around right now. God can make you brand new right now. He can, it doesn't matter what situation or circumstance you're in right now. When you under, when you're open to receive the love of God, it will change your view of that situation because you, now you realize you're not alone. He says in Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9, and 10, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved, healed, delivered, made whole and complete. I'd like to give you an opportunity today. Apostle Godfrey laid it out. The foundation of every of your walk with God is understanding the love of God, his unconditional love for you. You cannot make God stop loving you. People will, God won't. So if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised us from the dead, today you shall be healed, delivered, set free, and my whole. Repeat this prayer after me. Say it out of your mouth, meaning from your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he died for me on the cross and carried my sins for me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. I receive your awful forgiveness. I receive your unconditional love right now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit right now. Right now, I'm healed. I'm saved. I'm delivered. I'm made whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you pray that prayer for the very first time, we want to welcome you back into the kingdom, welcome you back into right relationship, welcome you in right position. Now, what do you do now? Man, that's the, the thing about it. what do I do now? Well, you got to get in a good word-based church. We'll teach you about the death, burial, resurrection of, of God and also teach you about the kingdom of God and help you to understand the love of God. And that's what we believe Ignite is for you. 
We are, we are teaching people about the love of God, the tangible love of God, and how to operate according to the kingdom of God. So if you're if you're in the Ottawa or Greeley area, we'd like to welcome you every Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. We'd love to have you here. If you're too far away and you can only catch us online because you haven't found that church that God has already told you you're supposed to be going to, then catch us online as well. Or if you're catching us by podcast, man, share this with a friend, share this with a loved one. The love of God is the foundation of your relationship with God. So on behalf of Apostle Godfrey, his lovely wife, Sister Deborah, Dorothy, my lovely wife, Minister Juin, and the entire Ignite People family. We want to thank you for joining us today.